All right, Shavuot, say good morning. Let us begin. Beautiful daf ahead of us today, beginning by thanking our sponsors. To thank our Tamatora sponsors for the month of Kislev, Samia Malka Esterson, for dedicating all the Shurman Joshos this month in memory of their parents, Yitzchok Leib Ben Arana Cohen, Sarah Rachel Bas Barach Avram, and Hinda Bas Henech Ephraim. We hope that in the merit of our Tamatora, the Neshamas will have an Aliyah and the family a Nechama. We thank our Week of Learning sponsors. Michal and Sarah Lipman, and family in honor of Philip Sanfield's Siam Hashas Mazeltov. We thank Bill Eskin for dedicating the week of learning in honor of Chaim Rothschild. We thank again all of our sponsors for their generosity. And Rabosi, with that, let us begin. So today's daf is Yud Aleph 11. say we are picking up on Yud Amud Beis. Beautiful Gemara ahead of us today. Altir Gezuba Derech. So Rabosi, it's actually right across from Tosus Altir Gizu. So remember again, the Gemara says as follows: Altir Gizu Baderach. So remember again, Yosef says to his brothers. Remember, this is uh, this is in Parshas Vayigash. So remember again, after Yosef has revealed his identity to his brothers, he sends them back to Canaan to go ahead and get Yaakov, the rest of the Mishpacha, and he gives them instructions: Altir Gizu Baderach. Now, literally, it means don't fight, right, or don't get angry on the way. Says interesting. Yosef was telling his brothers, "Do not go ahead and get too involved in a dvar halacha and learning halacha. Why? Lest the road get angry upon you." Now, what does that mean? What he was saying is, you might get lost. You might get lost. Right? So it's interesting. In the in the in the Rabbeinu Gershom, they changed the girsa. Not Rabbi Gershom, I'm sorry. In the Hagos, Vitsiyunim, Shema Tirgaz. So ultimately, Yosef was telling his brothers, listen, you have to go ahead and get back to Canaan. Don't start getting overly involved in halachic discussions, lest you get lost. Which I will say, such a profound yisod. Because what Yosef was telling to his brothers is, if you want to get from point A to point B in life, you must be focused. Do not allow yourself to get distracted. Sometimes you can get distracted with all the right things. In other words, again, it might be legitimately good things, beautiful things, wonderful things. But Lamaisa, if they're going to distract you from getting from point A to point B, don't do it. Life is filled with distractions, many of them meaningful. But if you need to get to a desired location, do not allow yourself to fall prey to them. Is that so that Yosef was telling his brothers not to learn on the way? If you have two Tamidi Chachamim who are walking on the road and they're not learning, they're not learning, they are fit ultimately again to be burned. Very strong motion. I'm sorry, Gemara's recording the Pasuk from, from Malachim Beis. So just to give you the context, Elio and Elisha are walking, and this is the episode ultimately where Elio Hanavi is taken up to Shamayim, right, in the fiery chariot. So the Gemara makes an interesting observation here. The Gemara says, The only reason why Elisha was not burned, right? Why Elisha was not burned by the fiery chariot was because they were talking in halacha, halacha dibar, but if they weren't talking, they would have been, right? Even Elisha would have been burned, to which the Gemara says, so how could Yosef tell his brothers not to engage in halacha? Lokasha, halamigras, 
They both say this difference is about talking about something, we'll call it, you know, on a general kind of superficial level versus going in depth. When you're going in depth, that's when you can get distracted. On a superficial conversation, of course, not only is that okay, but that is, that is absolutely warranted. Reigning a Jew should never be totally distracted from learning. Rashi says, So to learn, but in a general kind of not too deep superficial way, that's good on the road. Something that requires incredible intention that one should not do. So we'll say an incredible Musr Haskil. In other words, so in life, to get from point A to point B, most times in life, you can't have absolute focus. In other words, it's rare in life that you only have luxury of focusing on one thing. Often you have to focus on many things. But make sure that if the goal is to get from point A to point B, that the other things you're focusing on during the journey will not be the kind of things that will distract you from getting to your desired location. Because they're both saying, isn't it my simbachol yom? That we begin on important journeys in life. And then what happens? We get distracted with things. And often we get distracted with important things and we never make it to the desired location. If you need to get somewhere in life, laser focus. You might have to look at other things, deal with other things, but don't allow yourself to get derailed. Incredible. We'll say elsewhere we learned that when Yosef said to his brothers, he was telling them, do not walk with an arrogant step. Don't walk with an arrogant step. Ultimately, again, I will say, literally it means, and go enter into the city while the sun is still out. What does this mean? What does it mean? Yosef tells his brothers, do not walk with an arrogant stride. We'll say, walking with an arrogant step ultimately goes ahead and removes one five hundredth of a person's eyesight. The idea being that, let's say what that, what that means is, what, what, what's the pshat that walking with arrogance removes your eyesight? I will say it's very clear. Arrogance is a blinding midah, right? When a person is arrogant, they don't see certain things in life. If I'm arrogant, I don't see my own shortcomings. I don't see my own mistakes. I don't see my own missteps. I often can't even appreciate people for who they are. That's what Chazal means when they say, if you walk with arrogance, you take one five hundred. One five hundred means some chilek, right? Arrogance removes some level of vision from a person. So you have to say, telling his brothers, do not walk with an arrogant step. What does this mean? We'll say a person should only set out on a journey. What does it mean? Bechitov. You should set out on a journey when the sun comes up, when it's light, and you should enter into your lodgings at night while the sun is still up as well. In other words, journeying should take place while it's light outside. Shene emar haba ambassador means bechitov. Rashi says sheyamtin at sheir kimar kimo vayar elokim esa ar kitov. That's what it means. Set out on your journey, Kitov. Enter in from your journey, Kitov. Kitov, a reference to Hashem saw the light, and it was good. Shene emar haboker ar v'hanashim shulchu. say again, story from Yosef. Haboker ar, the dawn dawned, or the dawn became light, and Yosef sent the men back to Kenan. 
So I will say, so this is just an alternate version of Altir Gezuba Derech. So ultimately, again, you begin to see three different interpretations of what Yosef was saying Altir Gezuba Derech. Number one, Altir Gezu, don't get too involved in Advar Halacha lest you get distracted. Number two, don't walk with, a, with, a, with an arrogant stride. And number three, ultimately, again, make sure you leave when it's light and get and enter into your lodgings. And I will say, of course, Rashi, Rashi, quotes the Pashab Shad, what's the Pashab Shad? Yosef was afraid that what is in the literally means don't get angry, don't get upset. What Yosef was most concerned about is on the way home, what's going to happen? Their brothers are going to get into an argument. What are they going to get into an argument about? Whose, whose fault it was that they sold Yosef to begin with? So Yosef says, don't fight, don't fight, don't fight, don't fight. Whatever happened, happened. Chesh Baruch has a plan, get home. So listen to this about beautiful Gemara. This says the name of Rabbi Chia. If someone is walking, traveling, you should not eat more than what you would normally consume in a time of famine when you are traveling. So we'll say what Rabbi Yehuda says in Rabbi Chia sounds like he's saying over here, when you're traveling, you should go ahead and diminish your food intake. Eat whatever you would eat in a time of famine. Okay, why is this? My mayono. So we'll say two different interpretations. One interpretation is because since you're traveling, if you eat a lot, you're gonna you're gonna have stomach issues, right? Little mishum ma'ayona Rashi says shalay ischal cholu meyav shal adam berov achilas meitorach haderech. So I'll say ultimately against that your kishkas, you know, don't get uh, don't get all, you know, uh, you know, in in a in, in a difficult situation because of the food moving around because of your journey. So the Gemara understands since when you're journeying, you're moving. If there's a lot of food sitting in your kishkas. You're gonna have you're gonna have stomach issues, okay? So the Gemara says, "Mishumayon In they said for a different reason because if you're traveling, if you're traveling, you need to make sure you have ample supplies, and because you need to have ample supplies, maybe you won't be able to access food during your journey. So essentially, take care of your food reserves. Don't eat a lot at any particular time, but save your food for the duration of the journey. My ben so that's a practical difference between these two approaches. So a good nafkamina would be, you're traveling by boat. So if I'm traveling by boat, I am not physically moving. So if it's an issue of the food sitting in my kishkas and moving around and getting sick, that really doesn't apply by boat. But if it's an issue of having ample reserves, right, for the duration of my journey, that applies by boat as well. Inami, the other possibility is where I'm traveling, where I'm traveling, there's a number of inns along the way. So because there's a number of inns, therefore, again, I have constant access to food. So again, if it's an access of having enough food for the duration of the journey, I have enough food. But if it's an issue, ultimately, again, of the food sitting in my kishkas and moving around and getting sick, that would still apply. Incredible. So the Gemara goes, Rav Papa, Rav Papa would eat a loaf of bread every parsa, which I will say was a lot to eat. A lot to eat. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says, So what says is, Rav Papa felt the reason why Chazal told us to generally reduce our intake when traveling was because of stomach issues. Rapaba wasn't concerned about stomach issues. Why, why not? The Baal Beten Hava. Interesting term, right? He was a Baal Beten, right? He was a, he was a Zaftig individual, right? And therefore, again, 
So again, because he was a large man, and ultimately, again, he wasn't worried about the negative effect that food would have upon him. So he went ahead and he ate a loaf of bread every stop. So the Gemara says, Both say an interesting Gemara. Whoever goes ahead and starves himself, goes ahead and starves himself in days of famine, which I will say means... Anyone who reduces his intake during a famine, even though he doesn't have to. Right, we're going to see this, this is what's happening over here. In other words, I have plenty of food. I have plenty of food. Baruch Hashem. I start food. So I have plenty to eat. But nevertheless, I diminish my intake during a famine. Nitzel mimitsa mishuna. Such a person ultimately, again, will be saved from a dramatic death. Rashi says, Misa mishuna. Meis becherev uberav. So we'll say, so a person who reduces his food intake during a famine, even though, again, he may have enough to eat in a regular fashion, is saved from an unusual death. So it's interesting, Rashi says over here, what's an unusual death? Death by sword, death by famine. And we'll say, what's a normal death? What's a normal death? Malach in your bed. Malach in your bed. Which I will say is such an incredible yisod in life that to be able to die in a normal fashion, right? To be able to die in a bed, right? Maybe from old age or from six, we'll say no, no one lives forever. No one lives forever. As long as you have to have a kara satov to HaKadosh Baruch even for being able to die a normal death. So right, so in your bed with the Malach HaMavas, that's a good death, right? That's a normal death. So a person who goes ahead and reduces his intake during a famine is saved from unusual death and is zochot to a regular death. Quotes over here, the Pasik from Eov, Berav Pat Khamimaves Rav. So the Gimara says, so, so the Gimara says, Me Ra'av mi baile. Why does it say Birav Pat Khamimaves? Literally again, through famine, I have redeemed you from death. It should say, Me Ra'av, from famine I have redeemed you. This is what it means to say. If a person is, goes ahead and reduces their intake during a famine, they are saved from unusual death. Now, so we're going to see what's the shot with this. This has to do with going ahead and being a kind of person who lives within the communal norms. So ultimately, again, this individual, right, has plenty of food. So I ate a famine, he could eat to his heart's content, but he's actively choosing not to in order to exhibit proper empathy, compassion, and just normative behavior within the context of the greater community. Kodesh Baruch Hu considers that to be a Milo. What we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna amplify that in just a moment. So if you choose to be part of the community in times of distress, even though, again, you have the means, but you choose to live in accordance with the way that those around you are living, HaKadosh Baruch Hu looks at that as an incredible zuchus and saves a person from an unusual death. Well, we'll build on that in just a moment. I'm Reish Lakish. A person is not permitted to engage in marital relations during years of famine. Yosef had two sons, the Torah says, before the famine came. Before the famine came. So we'll say, this is the same idea. Rashi says, We'll say, all of this is part of the idea, you need to be part of the community. You need to be part of the community. You can't live on the periphery. You have to be part of the collective. So if the community is suffering because of famine, 
I have to partake in that suffering as well. Part of the personalistic partaking in that is an abstaining from marital relations. Yosef has his sons before the famine comes. So the Gemara says, gives a qualification to this. However, if someone doesn't yet have children, they are permitted to engage in marital relations because again, that need to have children ultimately again allows them to, I will say in that case, so the act of partaking in marital relations doesn't look like one is seeking pleasure, ignoring the realities happening around them, but rather again, it's an understandable desire to want to build one's mishpacham. Beautiful. Tan Rabbanon. Bosa, listen to this incredible Gemara. Bizman she'isal shuru in b'tzar. Bosa, when Klav Yisrael are in the midst of difficulty, upiresh echad mehen, and one person separates himself from the collective. So we'll say, so we're talking about over here of a person who chooses not to be part of the community in a time of tsar. So what happens? The two malachim who normally accompany us. So we'll say, so again, it's also a beautiful idea. Every Jew is accompanied by two malachim, two angels, right? One on his right and one on his left. We most often learn about these malachim. We hear about these malachim by Shalom Aleichem, Malachi Asharis, Malachi Elyon. The Gemara Masech Shabbos says, when you come home on Shabbos, very important Gemara, when you come home on Shabbos, you are accompanied by two malachim. And what are those malachim looking at? They want to know what your house looks like on Shabbos. Right? Is the table set? Are the beds made? Is everyone dressed nicely? Is everyone getting along? That's the big one. Right? Is everyone getting along? Are people speaking nicely to each other? Is there a spirit of Shabbos in the home? That's what the malachim are looking for when I enter into the house. But those two malachim are not just with me on Shabbos. They're with me every single day. So when a person choose to, chooses to absent himself from the community, in a time of suffering, what do the malachim do? So manichin lo yaden arosho. They place their hands on his head. Va'omrim ploni This individual who went ahead and absented himself and removed himself from the tzibor, al yira benechamas tzibor, should not go ahead and see the consolation of the tzibor. And others are both say, if you don't participate in the tzaris, you don't get to see the Yeshua's v'nechamas. That's just the way that life works, right? It's like any relationship. If you don't participate and you're not present in the hard times, you don't get to share in the joy. Such an incredible and overwhelming yisod. So Tanya Idach was another bride that supports this. Bizman Shatzibar Sharoi Bitsar. Al Yomar Adubasid, listen to how profound this is. When Klaud Yisrael, when Klaud Yisrael, and when, by the way, the Tzibar, by the way, means Klaiso, but it also means your community, right? Sibur means the congregation. Whenever the unit that you are a part of is Sharui Bitsar, ultimately again is in a state of difficulty, Al Yomar Adam, a person can say, Eilech Lebesi, I'll just go to my house, and I'll eat and I'll drink, and everything will be fine. This is such an incredible Yisod. See, this is true anytime you see suffering with... In the, in the world in which you live. In other words, when I, I don't mean in the world, but like sometimes a person sees suffering with their friends. Or sometimes even a person sees suffering with a family member or within their kihila. And a person says, okay, so sad, so sad, but I have to go on with my life. And this is literally what they do. I go home, I drink, I eat, I live my life, and I kind of just absent myself. I divorce myself from what's happening to those people around me. 
So the Gemara says, you're not allowed to do that. Vim osekin, and if you do that, alava kasuv omer, vihine sason vesimcha, halog bakar vishachat son, echal basar vishasos yayin, achal vishasa ki machar namus. A person adopts this mentality and they say, you know what? Let me just enjoy. Life is so short. Might as well enjoy today because tomorrow we die. I don't have time to participate in anyone else's sar. Maxibasri, what does it say? Afterwards, we'll say the second wide line. Benigla ba'azne Hashem tzavakos imichupara avana azelachem atumusun. So we'll say ultimately again. So the Gemara says, over here, a person who doesn't participate, who doesn't feel in the tsar of those around them, ultimately again meets a premature end. Ad kan midas benonim. And I will say again, this is at least the meat of the Benonim. So this is bad, but it's not the worst. Avol, the midas rishon maksiv, asayu ek chayayin, finis ba'a sheikhar, vaya kayom kze yom machar. Maksiv, I say, what does it say afterwards? Vatsadik avid ve'in ish sam alibo, kimipne hara nesa vatsadik. See, I will say, what the Gemara is highlighting over here is this incredible yisod that a person is obligated to exhibit empathy and compassion. Empathy and compassion. And I've always said, it's so incredibly important because it is so tempting when we see difficulty on us. I've always said, you'd be surprised by the way, how often this happens, even in marriage, right? A spouse is undergoing a difficult time and sometimes, sometimes the other spouse says, you know what, not my problem. They have to figure it out. They have to figure it out. And I've always said, there is no more cruel indifference in life than seeing someone who's close to you suffer and yet you absent yourself from that process. It happens in marriage. It happens with children. Children are struggling. And parents sometimes say, oh, they'll, they'll figure it out. No, they're not going to figure it out. That's the job of a parent to help their kids figure stuff out. Right? So, so the idea, so the, and again, in a tzibor, in a tzibor, in, in, in Klali, so you know, I have to tell you, I was, I was speaking to someone yesterday, I was speaking to someone yesterday, and um, in Eretz Yisrael, and they were telling me, can I call you back, I have to go to a Levaya. So I said, who's Levaya? I'm so sorry, who's Levaya? So he's going to the Levaya of Eli K. Hashem Yikom Domo. Right, the young man, the 26-year-old man who was killed in the old city. I said, did you know him? He said, no. I said, no. And I was like, you know, I was like, that's what it means to be part of Klal Yisrael. The guy took off a day from work, took off a day from work, because he had to go to a Levaya. I, you don't know me. And again, that's Klal Yisrael. You see this all the time. But it was such a striking, it was such a striking thing. So I'll tell you the truth. The muster that I took is, again, I watched the Levaya. I said, you know what? If this guy's taking off a day from work, a day from work, to go to a Levaya, I, 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 I could take out an hour from my day. It was actually, was a, the Levaya itself was... was dramatically inspiring. Both the Hespedim as well as the incredible singing that was happening. There was Mika Amcha Yisrael. So I will say, but, but yet, to be honest, like how many of us, we heard the news, we heard the news, and then like, we just went on. After all, it was Sunday. It was Sunday, right? There's stuff to do on Sunday. So I've got plans. I've got things going on. How many of us, and I include myself in this, disrupted our activities of daily life because of a tragedy that happened in Kalal Yisrael? Versus how many of us read an article, right, lamented a bit, and then nothing in my day changed. We're not allowed to live like that. We're not allowed to live like that. Now, does it mean that I cancel my plans so they sit on the floor and do nothing? No, life always has to go on in some way. 
But the shayla is, how does the rhythm of my life change? In some way, maybe it's an extra capital of tilim. Maybe it's coming early to davening. Maybe, maybe it's learning an extra piece of Torah. Maybe it's giving a little more tzedakah. But how does my life change when I encounter the tsar of the tzibor? And the reality is, all too often, the Gemara is reflecting, it doesn't. It doesn't. I hear stuff. We're masters of cognitive dissonance. I hear it. I say, so sad. And then I move on. And the Gemara says, a yid cannot live that way. When a Jew hears about suffering within Kabbal Yisrael, there has to be a reaction. It could be a small reaction. It could be an episodic reaction, a momentary reaction, but a reaction nevertheless. So incredible. So the Gemara goes weiter. Right a person has to participate in the tsar of the tzibor, in the pain of the tzibor. Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu joined in the tsar of the tzibor. Shene Amar vide Moshe Kvedim. We both said by the war of Amalek with Amalek. Sorry, we both say remember again the famous war with Amalek. Moshe Rabbeinu right when we came out of Mitzrayim. Moshe Rabbeinu sends Yoshua. Moshe Rabbeinu sits on the mountaintop, and again Moshe Rabbeinu raised his hands. When his hands were extended upright heavenward, Klal Yisrael would win. When his hands were downward, they would lose. It says the Gemara. The Gemara says Shemar vide Moshe Kvedim. The Moshe and his hands were heavy, so what did they do? They placed the stone, and Moshe and sat on the stone. Why did Moshe have to sit on a stone? He didn't have a cushion, he didn't have a pillow, he didn't have a nice chair, right, to sit on. Why does he have to sit on a stone? Moshe said, how could I sit on a comfortable chair? When Cloud Yisrael is waging battle, if Cloud Yisrael is bitzar, Cloud Yisrael is fighting in the middle of war, then I have to feel their tsar at least on some, in some small way as well. And therefore he decided to sit on a stone. And whoever again goes ahead and joins in the tsar of the tzibor, Zoha Baroa Berechamas tzibor. Ultimately, again, sees the constellation. I will say, isn't this the most beautiful bracha? See, essentially what it means is, if you're part of the team, you're part of the team. And the way, ultimately, again, you demonstrate your part, your your chilek, you're being part of the team, is by participating in the tzaros, feeling the tzaros of Klal Yisrael. And if you participate in the tzaros, then ultimately, again, you'll be zochet, have a chilek in the simchas as well. V'shema yomar adam. Me may it be. Person might say, okay, but who's going to know, right? Who's going to really know if I participate, right? If I feel the tsaros of Klal Yisrael. And Atta was listen to this. Me may it be. Avne be social adam the koros be social adam meidimbo. So we'll say this is incredible. The stones of my home and the beams of my home testify ultimately as to whether or not I'm the kind of person who participates in the Tsaras of Klaudi Sosheneemar, Ki Evan Mekir Tizak, Vichapis Meitz Yaanena. So we'll say, so what, what, what's, what's the pshat with this? That the, that the, that the, that the beams of my home, the stones of my home. See, I will say, what it means ultimately is, is that halacha lamaisa, see, two things. First of all, anyone could put a good show on, you know, outside. The shayla is, what am I like inside my home? Am I the type of person ultimately who feels the Tsaris? Of, and, and the simchas of Klai Yisrael in, in, private situ- in private circumstances as well, as well, or just publicly. What it also is telling us is, let's say one of the most important lessons that we have to provide our families, because the home represents family, is the notion of being part of the Am, of being part 
of Klal Yisrael and what it means to be part of Klal Yisrael, a sense of achrayis, a sense of responsibility. That responsibility manifests itself in a variety of different ways. Responsibility is number one, take ownership, do things. Do things in community. Don't wait for other people to do things. Don't think that something's going to get done through someone else, but do it. Be the kind of person who rolls up your sleeves and helps out, whether it's helping out in your shul, helping out in your seaboard, helping out in your kila, helping out in your community. Don't be a spectator, but ultimately, again, be a doer. That's a lesson that we teach our mishpachas about what it means to be bale achrayis within klal Yisrael. And including that achrayis is, how does your, how do you model for your family what it looks like to share in the pain of Klal Yisrael? Do you model for your family what it looks like to share in the simchas of Klal Yisrael? At the end of the day, the greatest testament to whether or not I share in the simchas of the charts of Klal Yisrael is what my home looks like. What my home looks like. What my mishpacha looks like. Do I raise Baalei Achrayis or not? It's my home that testifies whether or not. I am truly participatory in Klal Yisrael or just a spectator. So the Gemara says, No, it's the two accompanying angels, right? The two Malachim that always accompany me. They're the ones who testify about me after 120, whether or not I was, I, I was a full participating member in Klal Yisrael. I shared in the Tzaras and the Simchas of Klal Yisrael. Shneemar, I don't need my home, right? I, I, I don't need the Malachim. My Neshama itself testifies after 120 about the type of person I was, right? Was I a Jew who just lived for myself or was I a Klal Yisrael Jew? And again, being a Klal Yisrael Jew means, number one, you participate, you're not a spectator, you help and you don't wait for others to do. You share in the Tzaris, you share in the Simchas. What does it mean when we say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a Kelamuna? HaKadosh Baruch Hu ultimately again is a Kelamuna ve'enovel, right? Literally a God of Emuna, a trustworthy God, and there is no iniquity. Kelamuna, so we'll see, listen to how credible this is. Kishim the same way that God is a trustworthy God, namely, that in the afterlife, HaKadosh Baruch Hu exacts retribution for every single Avera from the Rishayim. Listen to this. Listen to this. Alavera Kalasha Osin. Kach Nifram in Asadikim Olamazah. Alavera Kalasha Osin. So we'll say, isn't this incredible? So the same way that a Kalash Parachu exacts retribution from the Rishayim for every single Avera in the afterlife. He exacts retribution for every single small Avera from the Tzadikim in this world. So the, the Gemara is operating off the theological premise that it is advantageous for Tzadikim to get their judgment for their Averas in this world. That way, by the time the Tzadik comes to Olam Haba, the Tzadik is totally cleansed. So we'll say this is very important because Rashi points out, this helps us to understand a little bit of the concept of Tzadik Doralo, why sometimes we see that the righteous suffer. And often it doesn't appear fair, but understand that sometimes the suffering of the righteous is HaKadosh Baruch Hu's way of cleansing them of their Averos in this world. So the Gemara says, there is no iniquity. What does that mean? The same way that in the, in the next one, the world to come, HaKadosh Baruch Hu repays the Tzadikim for every mitzvah, even the smallest of mitzvahs. 
So to HaKadosh Baruch Hu goes ahead and rewards the Russia even for the smallest of mitzvot in this world. So say, this is the other side of the coin. This is why sometimes we see what? Russia v'tovlo. So then as you see wicked people prospering. Why? Because even the most wicked person has mitzvot. Mitzvot says no such thing as a person who doesn't have some mitzvot. But Baruch Hu chooses to go ahead and give the Russia his reward for his mitzvot in this world. Tzadik v'yashar. Who Rabbi say, get ready for this. What is Chesh Baruch Hu? Is a tzadik. He's righteous and yashar. Rabbi say, get ready. Amru. B'sha'az piti raso shal adon l'beis olamo. Rabbi say, the time that a person dies or is getting ready to die, the Gemara says, Really, it changes it to Nifratan Lefanov. So let's listen to this. After a person dies and they go before the Beis and Shema, they come before the heavenly court for judgment about the life that they lived. What happens? All of my actions, all of my actions appear before me. So let's say, can you imagine this scene? Right? So a person leaves this world. All of my actions come before me. Come before me in this world. So they, they, they're all standing before me. And both say, each of my actions come before me. And one by one they say, you remember me? You remember me? You remember you performed me in so-and-so place on so-and-so date? And I say, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. And my actions tell me sign. In other words, I have to like affirm that indeed I committed this action in this particular place, in this particular time, and I sign, not only that, I accept the judgment upon myself, and I say to the Beisdin, you've judged me appropriately. So we'll say, so the, the Gemara over here, I just want to point out, is specifically referring to Chait. Right, the, the, the example they're giving over here is with Averas, that after 120, which is actually an overwhelming thought, that each of my Averas appear before me one by one, it's a long day, right? One, one, one by one, they, they show up in front of me and they say, you remember me, you remember me, you committed me, you know, in this day, at this time, in this place, and I have to acknowledge it. I have to acknowledge it. I guess you have the right to dispute it, but it sounds like the Gemara says you can't really dispute it in front of the Beis Din Shalmah. I like to dispute the claim, right? But, you know, you're there. And I will say, I have to affirm each of them. Yeah, did that, did that, did that, did that. Sign, 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 sign. And ultimately, then I accept the fact that whatever the judgment of the Beis Din Shalmah is. Now, I will say, now the good news is, Baruch Hashem, if this happens for Averis, it means it also happens for what? For Mitzvahs. For Mitzvahs. So Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, it's not a one-sided thing. And the will say, of course, what the Gemara doesn't take into account over here is what? Tshuva. Tshuva. I will say, this is why it is so important for all of us to become Bali Tshuva. To do Tshuva now for whatever it is that we, any outstanding matters we have, it's time to do Tshuva. Not to wait till Elul, not to wait till Yom Nair, to do Tshuva now, because we never know how much time we have in this world. And who wants to confront this? I, I do not want, I do not want to stand in front of the Beis Din Shamala with every single event, going through every single day, having to acknowledge it, not in my head, yes, I did it, yes, I did it, yes, I did it. I do not want that. And I've always said the beautiful part is we could avoid it. We can absolutely avoid it if we become true Bali Tshuva. So again, it applies to mitzvahs. Don't have to undergo this process if we become true Bali Tshuva. We shall all be Zochem, Yerz Hashem. Amr Shmuel. Kalayosheh betaynes nikrachot. Yeah, I've beautiful gemara now. Whoever, whoever goes ahead and fasts is called a sinner. The act of, I will say this is voluntary fasting. The act of voluntary fasting is a form of penitence 
ultimately, again, is sinful. This is Shmuel. Sabra Kiai Tana. He holds the following Tana. Here we go. This is fascinating Gemara. Tisanya. Rebbe Loza. Rebbe Omer. Ma Tamun Lomar Vichipar Lov Me'asher Chatala Nefesh. What does it mean when it says you should atone for him because he sinned? Now, we'll say, just to give you the context, the Pasuk over that the Gemara is referencing is the Pasuk by Nazir. Is the Pasuk by Nazir. So the Pasuk says he will atone for himself for he went ahead and sinned regarding his soul. How did he sin regarding his soul? Rather, I'll say, what's the sin the Nazir committed? He voluntarily abstained from wine. Ain't sin gedol mizol, right? That's that's it, right? Voluntarily abstained from wine. What's the matter with you? Velo dvarim kavachomer. So the Gemara says it's a kavachomer. What's the kavachomer? Umazeshelotzir atzmo elaminayay nikrachote. I both say if you voluntarily abstain from wine, you're called the sinner. Hamitzar atzmo mikol davar v'davar alachas kama v'kama. So I'll say this is incredible. This is Rabbi Lazar Kafers like hashkafa sachayim, and this hashkafa sachayim is as a Jew. There is enough that is already usser. There's enough that's already usser. There's absolutely no need to deprive yourself of anything more. Not only that, the road to holiness is not paved through additional forms of privation. The road to holiness ultimately, again, is paved. There's enough stuff you can't do. Become good in those areas, but to, to, to think that to go ahead, that the only way to become holy is to deprive yourself of things. I will say, now I want to be clear. The way to holiness is how? Is what? To deprive yourself of things, right? Let, let, let's be clear on that. That's Kedoshim Tiyu, right? Kedoshim Tiyu Kadesh Es Atzim Right? The whole idea in life is restraint, is restraint. Just because something is mutter doesn't mean you should do it. And in fact, Kedusha often is found in the realm of exercising proper shit. Like the Ramban says, you, are you allowed to eat meat and drink wine, breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Can you do it? Absolutely. Only problem is it's called gluttonous. Right? It's called gluttonous. So the whole, so one of those are our pointing out over here, however, is going ahead and ushering additional things, that's just not necessary. That's just not necessary. And that's not the form, that's not the way to Kedusha. On the other hand, Rabbi Lazar Omer, Nikra Kadosh. No, the Nazir, the Nazir is called Kadosh. He's called holy. Shene Amar Kadosh Yegadol Peros Sarosho. The Pasik says, the growth of his hair will be Kadosh. Umazesh Lotsiatso Elamidavra Echa Nikra Kadosh. And again, Rabbi Lazar will say, if this guy, the Nazir, who just abstained from one thing, wine, is called the Kadosh, Hamitsar Atsomi called Davar Lachas Vakama Vakama. One who abstains from additional things, how much holier he is. So I will say, so this is an incredible fundamental machlokes, right? In other words, I will say, so how do we view the Nazir? Rabbi Lazar Kafra saying the Nazir is a sinner. Is a sinner. Because to go ahead and asser additional things, which the Torah doesn't asser, there's absolutely no need for that, and that is not the path to personalistic holiness. Rabbi Lazar says, no. The ability to practice abstinence with things that are permitted, that is the pinnacle of holiness. So the says, I Shmuel, Ha Ikri Kadosh. What does Shmuel do with the fact that the Nazir is called the Kadosh? No, no, no. Hahu Agidl Perakai. No, no, no. The Nazir is not called the Kadosh. What's called Kadosh? His hair. The growth of his hair has a sanctity. What does it do with the fact that the Nazir is called the Chote? Hahu Desayv Nafshe. No, no, no. Rabbi Lazar will say, When is the Nazir a Chote? When the Nazir allows himself to become Tameh by being exposed to a corpse, that's when the Nazir is a Chote. But did Rabbi Lazar really say that the Nazir is a Kadosh? 
says, Li Olam Yamut Adam Atzmo Kiilu Amadeis. Kiilu Kadosh Sharoi Bisoch Meyav. Rabbi Lazar says a person, the boss listen to this, should always view as if Kiddusha is residing inside of his intestines. Rabbi Lazar says, what does that mean? Rabbi Lazar says a person should take care of their body. A person should take care of their body. A person should realize the body is a temple, the body is holy, and a person should always take care of their body. So the Pashtos, based on that, Rabbi Lazar would not seem to be a big fan of additional forms of abstinence. So Rabbi agrees, but it depends. Some people, some people are capable of maintaining abstinence while still maintaining personalistic health, and other people are unable. Shabbat will say, if you could go ahead and deprive yourself of things while still maintaining a sense of physical health, Rashi says over here, Remember again, we're going back now to the original statement. The original statement was, Shmuel said, Shmuel said, ultimately again, that a person who sits, who fasts additionally is called a sinner. Rabbi Lazar was saying such a person is called Kadosh. So the Gemara says, I, Rabbi Lazar says, you have to take care of your body. It's not a contradiction. There are some people who are able to engage in additional fasts but are still able to maintain their physical health. If that's the case, then additional abstinence is called Kiddusha. But at the end of the day, if by additional fasting you're going to compromise your health, then not only is that not a mitzvah, but what? Ultimately, again, it is considered to be an Avera. Incredible Gemara. So both say the Gemara goes weiter. So the Gemara says, Rishla Kishamar Nikra Chassid, Shinemar Gomel Nafshav Ish Chassid, Va'ochev Shero. So both says, listen to this, Rishla says, such a person is called a chassid, a person who goes ahead and maintains voluntary fast days, engages in additional fast, is called chassid. So I just want to point out, again, what a profound and incredible overwhelming machlokas this is, right? The, 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 the kind of the launch point for the machlokas is by nazir. How do you view the nazir? Is the nazir kadosh or is the nazir a chote? Right? Is what he's doing good, not good? I'll point out to you, I, one second, if you hold the Nazir as a chote, this is very important, if you hold the Nazir as a sinner, then what's the Avi What's the Avi Why does the Torah provide for this mechanism then? Because once remember again, this goes back to the Gemara Saka Sota. Remember? Remember with the Sota? Excellent. Remember again, the Gemara says, Sota, right? Nazir is juxtaposed to the episode with Sota. Sota is the woman who is suspected of adultery. Why is Nazir juxtaposed with Sota? Remember? Because when you see, the assumption is, how do, how do people get themselves into a sota situation? Maybe a little too much to drink. So a person who sees, which in general is as an aside, as an aside, just, just a commercial. And I will say, consumption of alcohol in mixed company is something that one truly has to avoid. I, I don't mean, again, a person has a Sudan Shabbos and a person is drinking wine, but social drinking in mixed company, I will say, should be something that really one has to be very, very, very careful about because very good, well-meaning people mixed with alcohol is a very, 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 it's a spiritually deadly mix. So the Gemara says a person sees Sota Bikulkula, person sees, right, a Sota, so ultimately, which tells you something amazing. Sometimes in life, you have to engage in extreme behavior for a little bit in order for the pendulum to swing back 
and settle back in the realm of normalcy. So the idea of the one who calls Nazir a, a chote, it's extreme. It's extreme. But sometimes I will say you have to be extreme for a little bit. For a little bit in order to come back and quote unquote be normal, right? The best word is normal. Everybody likes to be normal. Of course, who's normal is of course very subjective. But, but Lamaisa, sometimes you have to engage in extreme behaviors in order to settle back somewhere in the realm of normalcy. So the Gemara, Amr Rav Sheishes, Amr Rav Sheishes, Hai Bar Beirav Diyasebetanisa, Lecho Kalbalushe Luse. So Rav Sheishes says, if a Tamut Chacham goes ahead and fasts, Tamut Chacham goes ahead and fasts, it's as if a dog has eaten his portion. Now, what does that mean? Look at Rashi. Sheirusei suudasa suudasa kabalechol suudasa kacham esana inamol. It was the idea being over here. Sheisha says it is not a good idea for a talmud chacham to fast. And if he fasts, we don't give him any credit for that fast. Rather, it's as if a dog ate his. What's the pshat of us? We're going to see. This is part of a greater theme that halacha lameisa. Tamut Chacham has to be very careful about taking on additional fast because if the fast is going to come at the expense of his spiritual activity and his learning is going to suffer and his davening is going to suffer, then it's what's called Yatsa Schalo Behef Seido. Often again, more is lost than is gained. There are no communal fast days in Babel except Tishabav. Except Tishabav. Look at Rashi. Rashi says over here, So Rabbi is saying over here is, the concept of a Tainus Tzibur, a public fast day with all of its restrictions, only applies in Babel, in which date? Only on Tisha B'Av. This is referring to voluntary fast days. should not engage in voluntary fasting. Why? Because ultimately, again, it diminishes his Malachas Shamaim. It diminishes his service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So we'll say, so I just want to point out, so okay, so first of all, in general, you see this Hashkafic Machlokas about how we view these voluntary fast days, and in general, how we view these additional forms of personalistic privation. Are they viewed as pious acts? Are they viewed actually as deconstructive or destructive acts? And that's a fundamental Hashkafic Machlokas. Now we'll say, what you also see from this last piece as well, we'll say, all of us have an obligation to strive to be Tamidi Chachamim. And all of us have an obligation to strive to be pious individuals. Shlakish says that a Tamid Chacham shouldn't fast. Why? Because it takes away from his ability to engage in spiritual service. Rabbi say, what an incredible muster in life. That every single day before I engage in a particular activity, I have to ask myself one simple question, which is, does this enhance my Ruchnius or does it detract from my Ruchnius? Right, the same with the Tamut Chacham, don't fast. I but fasting is good. No, for you it's not good. Because for you, you have an obligation to engage in your Yerashalayim, in your Tefillah, in your Avodah, and anything that derails, that is not good. Rabbi said the same thing is true for anything in life. So, how, again, it's hard to, for us to reach this level, but it's something you have to strive for, to be the kind of people that before I do something, I'm about to do something, there's one simple question. Help my Ruchnius, detract my Ruchnius. And by the way, the scary part is everything falls into one of those two categories. There is nothing that is powerful, right? There's nothing that's neutral. Either it enhances or detracts. If it enhances, go for it. If it detracts, sometimes I have to find the koach to pass. The Gemara goes weiter. Oklan b'shosim So I'll remember again, on the first set of fast days, the first set of fast days, 
ultimately, again, you're allowed to eat the night before. So, says as follows, if an individual accepted upon himself a fast day, so the halacha is, he's permitted to go and eat and drink the entire night before. So we'll say, remember again, we pointed this out in the Mishnah, even though again, one would have thought that halacha lamaisa, the fast day begins at the beginning of the calendar day, which is the night before, it turns out that fast days actually begin the morning of. So even if he ate and drank the entire night, the next day the fast begins and he davins anenu. That's what it means when it says, it means he ultimately again goes ahead and engages in Arena. We'll, you know, we'll stop over here. We'll pick up with the other part of this case. Okay, see, I guess it's destined for us to start the daf at 5.45. All right, so I'll say we'll pick up over here in tomorrow. I don't know. Maybe we'll, we'll stay, stay tuned for the schedule. We'll see what happens. We'll pick up with this next case tomorrow. We'll say, also just a reminder, Steve Galaskov is sitting Shiva in his home 7301. 7301. 7301 Park Heights. It's Ingram Manor, which is the apartment buildings literally right behind the shul on Park Heights. If you could help make the minion there, it would be much appreciated. They are starting Shafras at 7, sorry, 6.50 a.m. in five minutes from now. It's apartment two. You just have to buzz at the door and he'll buzz you. 202. 202, but he'll buzz you in. If you anyone who can help make the minion.